The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Almost live from a library near you, this is Hellions Talks, starring the masked library, Kevin Hellion. He is the lauder of the long box, the hero of the hall, and he's on a mission to bag and board them all. Now the Retro Network proudly presents a talk show of comic proportions. Hello everyone, Kevin here for a brand new episode of Hellions Talks, the star of the Retro Network. No, I'm not. I can't go that far with it. But speaking of stars, though, I am so excited for today's guest. This is a creator that I have said very good words about before. And if you check out my blog, there are many more good words coming up about this amazing new Kickstarter. I've already chipped in for it. I hope all of you do as well. If you like amazing action, if you like space stories, if you like beautiful women, if you like a well-written adventure, all of it is right here for you. Today's guest is Jason Martin. Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. I am glad to have you, and I'm glad you you are an example of when people say, oh, does does it matter what I write? Does it matter what I put out today or anything? I reviewed stuff previously from you, and thankfully you saw it and you enjoyed it, and you drew my attention to the current project, and I'm excited for it. I was excited to chip in on the Kickstarter. I'm going to be excited to have it, and I'm currently in the process of rearranging all my comics, and I already have <laughs> a spot for it. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, I'm glad that you... you uh liked what you saw with the book there it was now at the time of us recording i have not yet posted my thoughts of it so you haven't had a chance to read it but i have already read issue one and then i had to go through and read it again because you there's stuff that you put in there that i didn't catch on at first and i was mad at myself i thought god that's such a good joke why did i not see that right away (laughs) well hopefully it's um the the books are the Princess Star Thief that I'm that I'm currently kickstarting issue two. Uh, we've done a Kickstarter last year for issue one, and the books uh, are a bit oversized for the for the Kickstarter format. I like to give folks uh, some extra pages since um, the economics are a little different on Kickstarter than they are in comic book stores. So you uh, you charge a bit more for the books, um, and then there's shipping on top of that. Um, but uh, also, I write in kind of a decompressed style. So even though there's a lot more pages, it's still uh, only so much story I can fit in to 36, 40 pages. But yeah, I like to, um, especially with this series, I've been doing a lot of world building. And um, there's a lot of different uh, ideas and concepts and characters and and, and things at play. So, uh, uh, and then you add in, uh, I'm, I'm prone to being... Uh, very uh, uh, referential to pop culture and 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 uh, as you mentioned, kind of different in jokes that uh, you may or may not pick up on. But I I would have to imagine a lot of that comes from, and, and I mean I know from being familiar with you, but for any listeners, just type in Jason's name for Comicsology or. Amazon, well, maybe not Amazon, you know, ask your local comic shop 
But I had trouble finding someone you haven't worked for already. Like the amount of well, oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was just I was just saying like because you say you you have a certain style for it, but my point was you've certainly written enough to hone that style and create enough to get that style down for it. Yeah, well, I started out uh, uh, over a decade ago uh, creating and self-publishing my own series, Super Real, and then I uh, started publishing works for other creators and have, in recent years, uh, uh, managed the, the Danger Doll universe and under Action Lab Danger Zone, and I had a title there, Vamplay, that ran uh, just finished uh, a 50-issue run. So um, that, as I was nearing the end of, of, of that, I thought, you know, I haven't really looked... Uh, how many, how many titles, how many, how many issues I've done now in comics and added everything up, and I was, I was over the hundred issue mark. So, I've been fortunate enough to uh, put out, you know, a, a, a good sized body of work. But I was going to add, um, if you Google Jason Martin comics, you might, the, I might seem more. Uh, uh, robust than you think because there was the jason martin and inker in the 1990s who worked with joe madrera and and some other uh, high profile artists and uh, folks often confuse me with him i've met him and he's a nice guy but uh, <laughs> we're two different people <laughs> nope and i i will say um comiXology has a very good filter for that um because i knew what i was looking for for because right. i i have read and posted things previously but then i found stuff that was up there that i haven't found and it's nothing against my local shop i love them but they do not have it so i said "Ooh, i can find it here i'm very excited for it yeah that's the great thing about uh you know um the other channels that we have now it used to just be you know it was the direct market the comic book stores and if they didn't see it on the rack you know or hear about it word of mouth they were you're out of luck but uh comiXology is great and of course, uh, crowdfunding and just the uh, you know the internet in general for finding information and and, and uh, social networking and whatnot. Yeah. Um, qu- before my next thought here, quick apology to Jason and Tenny listeners. I had my mic fall for a moment there. <laughs> uh-huh. So, but you're speaking of uh, the outlets we used to have for comics and the way things used to be for it. When you were growing up, were you into comics as a kid? Were you, did you have a geeky upbringing, or did you come into comics later on in life? Uh, very much so a geeky upbringing. I was an only child of the 70s and 80s, and so Star Wars was my everything. Uh, I was... Uh, you know, about six years old when that first movie came out, and uh, you know, every kid I knew had the, the action figures, and um, you know, I just obsessed over it. And that was what uh, got me into comics was the uh, Marvel Star Wars adaptations. Uh, they had, uh, they used to do polybagging where they would take you know recent issues and sell them in department stores and whatnot. And I remember the first comics I ever bought were a polybag set of of the Star Wars adaptation at a local you know, a department store on the toy aisle. And I took those, <laughs> promptly took those home and got out my tracing paper and, and wore the pages out over Darth Vader and all the stormtroopers. So, yeah, I was a big fan of comics from there on out uh, in, in the early 80s. But then in high school, um, 
I, I was always a bit of a nerd, um, and I, I got somewhat of a social life, and I uh, fell out of comics for some time and got back into them again in the mid-90s after the whole image uh, industry boom. Uh, so I've had an, uh, I've continued to be obsessed with comics since then. And then at that point, I started creating my own comics. Now, or, you know, officially publishing them in the early 2000s. Right. We, we've all created our own comics. It's just getting it in front of people and getting paid for it. That's a challenge. <laughs> exactly. Now, with you being a child of 70s and 80s, uh, you're a little bit older than me. I was born in 78. But I've made the point to friends around the same age, I'll say give or take, that I really feel Star Wars is the change of uh, being a geek, being a personality type, being a thing that you could obsess over, get into a collect and make a career out of. Not that those a little bit older than us didn't love Gunsmoke, Star Trek, you know, anything like that. But Star Wars probably because right. of the toys and merchandise, but that yeah, seems definitely to be the, the merchandise and the toys. Yeah. But it also, you know, it changed the, the movie industry too. And, you know, everything, uh, you know, it was Jaws first and then Star Wars that, you know, uh, skewed Hollywood towards the, uh, the blockbuster. So, yeah, I think you're, you're, you're right in, in Star Wars kind of being the, the line in the sand where things change, the paradigm changed, you know, in a lot of ways. In in many ways, not just, I mean, for movies, for toys, for comics, for collecting, for, oh yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned uh, having a gap in collecting and, or, and reading and being into comics. I know for myself, when I look back, um, when I was organizing my comics and it was a run that I loved, and I thought, why do I have this gap here where I don't have any issues? When did it come out? When was going, what was happening in my life when it came out? And coincidentally, every time it seems to be when I started dating. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, pretty, Uh, uh, pretty much the same thing for me. I had, uh, as obsessed over art and comic books, and I had—I'm um, an artist too—and I had uh, drawn my own comics. But then, uh, after high school, I had kind of fell out of that and um, had regretted it, and uh, just found some comics. Uh, I was at a coastal town, going to the beach, and I thought, "Oh, this little store here used to have comic books. So, you know, a rack of comics. I can grab. See if they got any comic books. I grab a couple of those to read on the beach." And it was. Uh, the Age of Apocalypse miniseries, and there were oh, a couple geez. different, uh, you know, there was the Joe Madrera, I don't know if that was Amazing X-Men, and then there was the uh, Adam Kubert Astonishing X-Men, and I saw those, and I thought, oh my gosh, Professor X is dead, and, you know, they've got these amazing new artists, and all the characters are radically different, I've missed so much, and, you know, I didn't realize it was just a, uh, uh, you know, a, a gimmick crossover event, but, uh, yeah, that, 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 got me motivated to get back into comics and then uh, the max was on tv at the time and picked up the comics for that and saw j scott campbell's gen 13 and uh, was in love all over again now with falling back in i mean falling back into it and you're right about your art as well you do have some things that you did yourself on your instagram page um i probably scared jason as also and i started following all of his stuff online <laughs> Your 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 about page on your blog spot was very helpful. <laughs> but 
but cool. to make <laughs> to, to make the jump though from I'm getting back into it to I want to write these though. Did you have dreams to write beforehand? Were you writing other things, or did you just make a dramatic leap? No, I had always uh, fancied myself a, uh, a comic book creator. Uh, you know, uh, again, I mentioned that I was collecting in the in the 80s, and a big thing in the 80s was the the rise of the independent comic books, and and uh, what you know, what people kind of refer to now as cartoonists, writer artists that do everything. Um, Dave Sim on Cerebus, uh, Eastman and Laird on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, Matt Wagner on Grendel and Mage. Um, so, uh, you know, those were kind of the uh, the shining stars to me, the blueprints of, oh, yes, you know, I can can create comic books uh, all, all on my own, be a one-man comic book machine. And I had written and created a comic series of my own for myself um, for a number of years did. I think it was uh, nine issues overall. But... Um, you know, then once I fell out of comics, uh, I, had, I had stopped drawing around the same time, and after a few years, had regretted uh, not not continuing to to pursue art. So I started uh, cooking up new comic book ideas. Well, if I'm going to do comic books, you know, what would it be? And coming up with the concept, and um, came up with one concept. Uh, this was around, you know, Y2K. Um, that eventually morphed into the series that I released, and starting in. Uh, well, it didn't officially come out until 2005, which was was super real. The uh, um, fictional reality show that cast uh, five twenty-somethings to uh, become genetically enhanced for a reality show based on comic book superheroes, and I uh, did everything on that series. Uh, was uh, seven issues, one uh, self-contained story. There were two special issues I did during the run where I collaborated with a bunch of different artists because around that time in the early 2000s, uh, kind of around the infancy of my, MySpace and social media, there was DeviantArt for artists. It was kind of a hub for any and all kind of comic book artists and aspiring artists. And so I'd met a bunch of people through there and uh, you know collaborated with a bunch of different artists on a couple special issues and that kind of kindled my interest in publishing and, and, and working outside of just uh, doing everything soup to nuts on the book myself. And, and so then from there, I uh, started to do more, more writing and, you know, collaborating with different artists and primarily, primarily I'm, I'm writing now. And I, I always would like to get back to, to drawing a book and uh, seriously consider pursuing that here soon, but, but haven't in years. Now, how much of it, when you first started with your first series, though, was completely self-taught and making every mistake possible because you didn't <laughs> know any better? Uh, yeah, that was very much the path. Um, uh, you know, I had s- some know-how from from art classes and whatnot, but in terms of comic books, uh, it was really... I mean, I had the the DIY know-how of of, of drawing, <laughs> you know, uh, of of making it look like a comic book on on the page. But in terms of modern 
production. Uh, it was just uh, getting Photoshop on the computer and, and, and figuring that out, you know, and doing everything through Photoshop and coloring and lettering and going from there. So, yeah, it was a lot of trial and error and growing things. But, I mean, this sounds like just uh, the dream, the passion of it. And that can be, you know, any creative outlet for people for, I want to do this thing. I'm not quite sure how to do it, but I know other people have done it, which means I can figure this out, too. And I'm, I, this isn't a, a dig at anyone in the comics industry. It's just to make an example. I think we've all had coworkers that we think are morons. And any time that I am asked to do something, I think that person has been able to do it, which means I can do it, too, because I know I'm smarter than them. (laughs) (laughs) So did you just have like this uh, looking back, older Jason, looking back on younger Jason, then do you think you were naive? Do you think you were foolish or are you impressed with your own guts and moxie to just try and put it all out there. I suppose I'm a little impressed. I mean, I think it's it's, it's just comics, right? So, you, you know, um, we, we, we read them, we absorb them, we, we, we learn the language, we know how they work. And as an artist, you either, you know, uh, can work in that medium, you know, uh, using that language, or, you know, some artists aren't, aren't as proficient at it you know either just it's kind of like anything you have natural abilities and tendencies so for me i i was never daunted um you know got got some how-to books and you know did did a little bit of research but it was it was just comics you know (laughs) it's just figuring out how to do what i'm already doing with the uh, paper and pencil and uh using different tools so well, and you're, you're, it's just comics. It's true. I I am lucky that I now love my day job, but I've certainly worked enough places where I haven't enjoyed it. But my boss will constantly say, no one's going to die if this doesn't get done today. <laughs> you're, you're, you know, quote, just comics. Like, if I mess up, I can go back. I can fix it. I can change something. Nothing horrible will happen if I don't get as far as I want to today, or if there's an error on the page or a typo, it's okay overall. And I kind of think that that's a good opinion and a mantra to have because you're going to stress out otherwise. You know, there's going to be a time, you have people that don't view it that way that eventually they flip their desk or punch their computers. (laughs) Well, yeah, but I mean, you just, you've got to get in there and, and do it. And, you know, the more you do it, the better you'll get, um, you know, as long as you've got, you know, you believe in yourself and you, you think you have enough talent to continue to go down that path. Not to say that anyone can do it, but, you know, so that, like you say, the nice thing about it is you can, it's, it's not life or death. And um, especially in this day and age, you can get your stuff in front of people so much easier with conventions and and uh, comicsology and crowdfunding and everything else. So, you know, you can quickly find out whether anyone reacts to what you're doing, you know? So that's now, great. With the amount that you have done, though, do you feel that you just have a... Do you have a certain process of, of I'm going to do it for this amount of time every night, I'm going to sit down and 
you give myself this amount of time, I'm going to remove these distractions from my life. Or I is wish, it just whatever yeah, you gosh, can? I wish. Yeah, just uh, see to my pants. <laughs> do, do what needs done next and, and keep moving forward uh yeah i often um think that i should uh, you know try scheduling x amount of hours for this and that and seeing how if i can get more productivity that way but uh i always just fall back into the the trappings of of, of doing it the way i do it you know <laughs> Now, currently, speaking of things that you need to find time for, you have the first issue, Successful, for Prince S, Star Thief. And I, I do want to ask you why you are spelling it that way as the Prince S. I feel you have a reason in there. Uh, but now we no, got... Yes and no. no. I mean, uh, <laughs> just, just to differentiate, just to make it unique, just it felt felt right. With, by 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 calling her princess without directly calling her that, just so that I mean, because the character is born of it was, I had done uh, Molotov Cocktees fan art for for Venture Brothers, and I thought <laughs> you know this is you know this would look pretty cool if it was like mashed up with Princess Leia for whatever reason, and so I drew that, and I thought oh that is cool, that'd make a cool character, that'd be a cool. Uh, cool character to do and uh, I had already come up with a bunch of concepts uh, for for my uh, Pulp Girls line and I thought you know it would fit in well with that and um, I had wanted to do something with the space pirate this could be like that so it was just kind of born from that and um, you know calling her princess without it being directly the word you know it's the it's and the concept was quickly decided to be uh, near future human civilization, you know, Earth, uh, uh, sometime in the in the near future. Whereas Star Wars was a long time ago in a galaxy far away. This is the opposite. Um, short time from now, close by. But so um, then, why not make it some sort of abbreviated jargon, and you can build something around that too. The, and you even have that Star Wars line that this is not where it takes place right in the beginning to get the reader reset to no 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 that's not what we're doing here we're doing a near future but i also with especially with her look in certain panels um but then with the as we mentioned before the pop culture things you've put in i felt there's a little tank girl mixed in too you know, and I I worry about that because it's there's uh, I I'm a fan of Tank Girl. I've, I I have some of the collections, and I'm a huge Jamie Hewlett fan. But I've never read the books, and I had seen the movie, and I thought, you know, that was crap. But I really loved that one minute bit of animation towards the end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, um, so yeah, I'm a fan of Tank Girl, but it's not consciously. Um, uh, meant to to riff on that or inspired by that, um, but it being the characters are similar, and I often worry, you know, is this, uh, you know, well, I, you know, when I do if I do this, is this maker too tank girl, you know, like, like I I try not to worry about that because I'm not coming from that perspective, so if it naturally comes out that way, that's fine. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you, you and, know and what I mean. By no means that I mean similarities. Right, but by no means did I mean this is anything other than princess. It, like I'm reading through it saying, okay, yes, I can see 
maybe some of your influences. I can see, you know, uh, I, I could get a gauge of about when you were born from it, from just stuff in here. <laughs> but it's also it's very much its own thing. And I was loving the hell out of it. It's just uh, I didn't expect what she got. I, I don't want to ruin it for anyone. You get the Kickstarter, read it on your own. Um, but I didn't expect the trouble she was about to get into. And then I thought, well, that's an interesting way to do this. And then more bad stuff happened. I thought, oh, geez. And uh, here I am. Like, it's a sci-fi book. Anything could happen. It's first issue. So we don't have, you know, firm ground rules of what can can't happen. And I'm still mm-hmm. thinking, how the hell is she getting out of this? And you have the communication between her and the ship. And I thought, that's freaking brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, you know, the um, this uh, we're, we're kickstarting issue two right now, along with issue one is available. Um, but uh, we had the issue one Kickstarter that we did last year was uh, called issue one Redux because I'd actually done a Kickstarter in 2015-2016 for issue one with a different artist with uh, Salor, um, who I went on to work with at uh, Danger Zone on a number of titles there. Um, and the artwork w- was amazing, um, and I was really kind of troubled what to do when I went back to do issue two because I knew I was going to have a different artist. I wasn't able to to work with Salor. He had, um, you know, uh, he's working right now with uh, Dynamite on Kiss Comics, and you know had other work and had been busy. The timing, just never, things just never lined up. So I knew I was going to have a new artist, and I. You know, it was like, okay, well, I can come in with a new artist on issue two. That's fine, but it'd be nice if the whole thing was done by the same artist. And then, um, being that there had been four years in between when I was going to be relaunching it again, I had had four years of notes on on the uh, the concept and the the story. And I thought, well, you know, if I went back and redid issue one, I could keep a lot of the things that I had done, but add in some of these other things and tease more of what's what's at play. Um, I'd really be more happy, and so that's kind of where you get the uh, the, the 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 different things at play in in, in the the new issue one that you're you're referencing. So it really benefited from that, and allowed and me for, to tell a story in a in a you know not a not such a straightforward way, and kind of tease things more about what what is the world we're in, and who is this character, and what are the dynamics, and yeah. A lot of fun. Well, for you to say that you want the same artist through, I'm guessing you got plans for further than issue two here. Oh, definitely, yeah. Uh, so, uh, for sure, want to do uh, uh, the first story arc is four issues, and ideally, I would like to do three story arcs, four issues each for for twelve issues, and then you know, if it's successful enough, I've got ideas for prequels and spinoffs and all kinds of good stuff. So it's uh, it's definitely it's the um, most ambitious thing I've done since Super Real, the first comic series that I developed, and I'm having a blast working on it and uh, working with all the the creators for the covers and, and Winston on the on the interiors. It's just been been going really well. See, and I'm a sucker for pretty girl comics and for good female characters. And as I've gotten older and I need to streamline my collection a bit, 
and need to focus. Okay, I can't collect every toy from this toy line, every figure, but which ones do <laughs> right. I really want? I find myself leaning towards the female figures for a lot of them. And I'm a sucker for variant covers. Uh, you mentioned um, Dynamite always has amazing variant covers. When I was going through your Kickstarter, and I, I posted it online, but I actually meant it. I went through for a while, and I'm thinking, I don't know what cover I want. They're all beautiful. But it wouldn't be enough. <laughs> I, I, can, I can go on the computer and print out a pretty picture. And uh, don't do that if you're listening, because that's horrible to the <laughs> artist. But I could do that. But no, I enjoyed this story, and I wanted the story, too. And just looking through your work, because what really gets me now is I'm kind of mad that I miss Swiss Army Woman, because I was looking through that, too. I thought, oh, God, it just looks so pretty. That's such a funny idea. I got to go through that. So don't be shocked if you see an email coming in from me later or purchase or something. <laughs> we can hook you up. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, do you, you find know, any. Is... Oh, go ahead. I, I was just wondering, do you find it? easier or more not easier but like more fun to write strong female characters at all or are you definitely, more drawn to it? i mean if you look at yeah that's what i'm drawn to if you look at at the the books that i've done they all fe- feature uh female protagonists and um so so the work that i'm done um is that i've done uh the characters that i work with are uh strong female protagonists but they're also attractive they're sexy but um i like to think that there's a uh, there's a line between like good girl and bad girl comic books you know they're they're done in a way that um they're, they're stylish and cool and fun but they're not meant to be derogatory or 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 you know, cheesecake or, or fluff. There's actual stories and characters. And so I think in this day and age where everything's so politically correct, they can easily get misconstrued as, as something other than what they are. But uh, that's fine. You know, uh, the people that um, find it and, and pick it up and read it will see, you know, what, what, what we have to offer. And uh, the books do really well. Well, to to bring it back to what you're saying for politically correct, how certain people interpret things, uh, for the wrestling podcast that I do, we just got done watching Glow. And I don't know if you ever watched right. Glow while growing up, but yes, there are certain things that 30 years later look terrible <laughs> on there. But I, there's nothing wrong with pretty girls. There's nothing wrong with appreciating that someone's pretty. When certain people do things without consent or to a certain point of exploitation, sure, then that's an issue. But what you're putting out here is just, here's a pretty girl having kick-ass adventures and it's loads of fun. There's nothing wrong with that at all. That is a timeless idea. (laughs) Sure, sure. Yeah, but um, as timeless as it may be, it is, a, it is a very sensitive time that we're living in where society's kind of having growing pains and, and you know, struggling with uh, what's acceptable and what isn't. Um, so it kind of gets – things can get painted with a wide brush, you know. Um, but that's all right. 
True, true. And I, I, I may have gotten a dirty look when I said it, but I said to my boss, if appreciating a pretty girl is wrong, I don't want to be right. <laughs> <laughs> I purposely say things sometimes to get the look from certain people. <laughs> but I, I am stunned. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's just fun to play around a little bit. <laughs> now, how did you end up getting all of these amazing people to collaborate with you for it from the interior art to the covers to everything. Was it just the connections and respect you've earned over your time in the industry? Was it calling in favors? Was it because you have a successful Kickstarter before? So people knew you were legit. Yeah. So it's, it's a little bit of everything. I mean, um, I've been working in comics for over a decade, so I have, you know, a lot of connections and I've, I've published comics, uh, with action lab danger zone and managed production of books there and, and worked with, um, you know, tons of different artists for covers there and on, on all the books that I've done. So I, I like to say that with the, 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 the books that I produce personally, the ones that I'm kickstarting now, the pulp girls line, um, I like to work with, uh, you know, outside of the, in this case, Winston Young, who's doing the interiors on Princess Star Thief, um, and the main covers, um, whom I've worked with on uh, for for a number of years now with with my series Vamp Blade, and and other books at Action Lab Danger Zone. Um, so in addition to the main artists, I I like to work with uh, creators that I know and like, and then you know other creators that I've uh, maybe had do some covers with before um uh, i've got creators i try to bring in a mix where there's some that uh, i've i've worked with going back a number of years and and some more recently and then each you know since there's uh uh, several variant covers uh for each kickstarter um it gives me the opportunity to kind of do a mix where uh, a couple of the covers are from artists that I've, i've never worked with before but you know just really uh, am a fan of their work and would love to see what they could do, you know? So it's a lot of fun to be able to do that, um, to, to, to showcase and feature other artists that can, you know, also showcase and feature your concept and characters. It's a win-win. Now, was there any thought either on your own or, and, and I don't, I'm not asking for, for, details for it because i'm sure there's (laughs) confidentiality or whatever was there any thought or desire to take princess to a different publisher or did you always want to do the kickstarter route and have your own full control over it I definitely always wanted to have my full control over it. I'm not opposed to bringing it to a publisher. In fact, I, you know, intend to explore that. But initially, uh, I, you know, um, I want to go direct with crowdfunding and and build from there. Um, you know, having worked in publishing and and um, worked in and around comics, um, you know, there's there's you you really need to have your your comics done and ready to go when you're going to release them to comic stores because nothing will kill a title more than um, lateness or, or gaps in production. Um, so, you know, the idea is that I'll get at least a story arc done before I look at publishing it through, uh, you know, the direct market or any other 
channels outside of crowdfunding, but very much intend to do that. Well, and for having a complete series done, that we can look back to still a ripple effect from early image that so many comic stores were just burned by having stuff finally come in months late that the audience was now gone for (laughs) and now they're sitting on it. Um, And and it happens all the time in com. Now it's not that it happens every day, but we can see examples every year of someone just fell behind stuff happens. Life happens. But also (laughs) (laughs) what I've seen with some creators in the time that I've been blogging in, in previous stuff I've done, what drives me insane is when companies sit on things too. Here's this great idea. Here's this great concept, but they won't do anything with it. Why Mattel still has ROM when other than that IDW (laughs) comic, they have done nothing with it is beyond me. They could easily sell it to Marvel who would actually do something with it. There's so many comics and cartoons and properties that just sit there. And it drives me nuts because well, no one will do anything you know, it kind of gets into the uh, the themes of Princess Star Thief, uh, corporate <laughs> corporate America. You know, these are IPs that are owned by corporations, and they'd you know they have more value in their portfolio than they do selling you know uh, making a short term sale. Uh, you know, because like you mentioned, Rom, and like outside of you and I, and and few people that are of a, of an old enough age. Uh, uh, if it weren't for the IDW series, and even that, I don't think anybody's very much aware of what what ROM is. But I know I thought um, uh, was it Mattel or Hasbro, whoever had the rights. Uh, I thought it was the same company as I thought it was Hasbro who had GI Joe. Oh, maybe it Transformers is. and everything. And I think it was you know they were they were looking to do a shared universe with all that stuff. And maybe I'm mixing up Micronauts and ROM, but um, yeah, you know, so they've all got big schemes with them. But yeah, to your point, some some of those. Uh, you know, unless they're going to develop them anew, they're not going to have enough. You know, they've been stagnant so long that they're never going to have like a, that kind of reach. So why not? We'll even turn uh, them over to Marvel or somebody because you know, you, Rom, another perfect example, uh, and it, same similar with Micronauts and some of the other licensed comics that they did. Um, they no longer have the rights to those characters, but all the ancillary characters that were created to support that series or that universe um, that weren't born of the toys are things that they still have. So you'll see like the space Knights and other uh, elements of ROM that are still used here and there in Marvel, but they can't actually use ROM or, you know, (laughs) the main character and that kind of stuff. But with the stuff that you're putting out here, I think you're, building towards something and uh, well sorry i think you could build towards something for it with these individual characters princess of course and other ones that we've brought up on this podcast already but in a way with these comics that you're putting out and building the audience for and getting these incredibly well done kickstarters in a way it's like you're doing a wrestling booking you have this character over here that's getting her fan base and getting attention and getting love. And then you have another character over here that's building up the same. If you ever in the future did a story where the two will meet, that's two audiences combined that would just love it and go nuts for it. 
Right. Crossovers. Definitely. Um, you know, with the, uh, the, the, they are a collection of concepts, pulp girls, um, uh, that, that are, you know, all of the kind of the same inspiration. Um, but they're their own individual concepts and really realistically, none of them cross over, you know, like they're, it, it, it's, it's like, um, they're not intended to be the same shared universe, you know, but it's comic books and they're cartoon characters. You know, you could do whatever you want. You could come up with cockamamie schemes. It's been done throughout the history of pop culture. So you could certainly cross them over. But I, uh, to your question of publishing plans and, and, and releasing it uh, in, in different formats, um, there's nothing saying that I won't do some sort of uh, Pulp Girls release, either Kickstarter or, or other channels, um, where the it's it's uh, a book that has multiple concepts in it. You know, you've got uh, a Swiss Army woman story, a Princess Star Thief story, and other characters as well. It could also be uh, I hesitate to say anthology format, but, you know, more like a, a magazine format. And originally that was my intent with Pulp Girls was to do, uh, you know, one publication that had uh, shorter length serial style um, comic book vignettes, you know, eight to 12 pages um, of just a bunch of different concepts in each issue. You know, some of the stories carry on or conclude and different stuff rotates in and out. So I still could uh, definitely do that, but also... Uh, I've I've got ways that I could cross over the characters to come up with like a Justice League of Pulp Girls. <laughs> <laughs> well, the sky's the limit. Granted, there's only the one issue of Prince S out, and then we have, of course, the second Kickstarter going on still. But I've already said to my wife, if this guy has something out, I'm getting it. I, I have <laughs> cool. I, I've I've been told no new collections. I said, what about Kickstarter? Do Kickstarters count as new collections if I'm getting comics? No, apparently that's that's safe. It counts under the <laughs> comics banner. <laughs> but I've just been loving it and so impressed by it. And thankfully, she's supportive with it. But I have a question for you because we've talked about the strong women that you create. But as far as a strong woman in your life, now. I know for many other creators I've talked to and other fans and friends, a lot of times our wives just roll their eyes at us. Oh, it's you and your comics again. <laughs> or your kid stuff or whatever. Do you get the eye rolling of you just want, you have your little pretty girl stories here? Has she been supportive in your dream for it? Uh, yeah, I've got an, an endlessly supportive wife. I do. And uh, to answer your question, yeah, there's a, it, it runs the the spectrum from from eye rolling <laughs> to to actively support it. You know, it's um, she's been uh, more than supportive uh, for me following my dreams and passions. So I uh, couldn't ask for more there. But uh, you know, is she a fan necessarily a fan of the directions I take that? Uh, not necessarily, but you know, no. And, and that's, I, I think if you're married and you create something on your own, that becomes a running joke. Uh, I'll say it myself. I'll bring up something. My wife will say, what are you talking about? And I'll say, Oh, it was on the podcast. Yeah. 
No, you already <laughs> listened to it. Oh yeah, of course. I did. Yeah, but I, first I, she read the books, but you know, uh, years go by. She tuned out a long time ago. <laughs> Barely <laughs> knows what I'm doing, you know, <laughs> from time to time. Now, would you be willing to? Because at the time that this will go up, there will still be days left in the Kickstarter. Uh, I was joking to you earlier as we were messaging that you don't need my help because it is fully funded and I'm excited for it. But then you have stretch goals. You have so much on here. Um, it, it would take quite a while to list everything on there. But would you be willing to tell people uh, quickly what they could get depending on their level? Oh, of course. Yeah, you bet. I mean, so basically, uh, we've got something for everyone. Uh, starting with, um, you know, if you you want to, you're intrigued and you want to check out the book, you want to read it, you can pick up the digital PDFs as a low cost option, starting at five dollars. Um, and then there is the new second issue. Um, the pricing on that starts at fifteen and goes up from there for the various the different levels of variant covers that we have. So if you're uh, uh, prone to collectability or you like getting a cover from you know picking a cover from a different artist we've got options for that we've got sets that gives you a bit of a price break and get you something extra for buying multiple covers if you're into that and then we also have um add-ons for issue one um so if you want to pick up the, the 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 both the issues you can do that and then um as you mentioned there are stretch goals uh, common with kickstarter um, to, to kind of spur on funding, uh, creators would set up different stretch goals, things that uh, backers can participate in as the funding continues on. So like you mentioned, we're past our initial goal and we're, um, we're right now we're getting upwards of 300 backers and closing in on 20K, which is our next stretch goal, the seventh stretch goal. And so um, uh, you get different extras the more funding we get. So, for instance, you're already going to get a trading card and a die-cut sticker. And then um, we recently unlocked some digital extras, like a, a behind-the-scenes PDF. And um, we've also got some stretch goals that get, uh, if we reach certain levels of funding, Winston gets a pay raise. So we've passed <laughs> the first one of those, and Winston gets to make a little more money for all the hard work that he does. He's the artist on the book. He does. Uh, he he. Um, not only does he have to draw it, but he has to. He has to. He has to deal with me uh, and and what can be often tedious notes. So no, oh, let's change this and let's tweak that. And so <laughs> poor guy puts up with a lot and knocks it out of the park. So he deserves it. But yeah, up next uh, is at, at twenty thousand. If we reach twenty thousand, uh, uh, every. Um, Every backer benefits because we're going to get uh, we're going to add four more pages of story, so it's going to go from 36 pages to 40 pages. So, um, if they check out the Kickstarter, um, it's Princess Star Thief issue one and two on Kickstarter. Uh, you can see all the different options that are there, and like I said, there's different levels and pricing and, and, and options for for anyone and everyone. Yep, and I will say I signed up for a physical copy. I I am just old, and I always want physical copies of things. Uh, no, even if I don't have room for it, I'm still going to want the physical one. I had to do a variant as well. I've, uh, all my friends know I'm a sucker for cool variant covers. And 
with you mentioning the four extra pages of story and things like that, I if people do not understand Kickstarter, this is not that Jason's going to take the money and run. This is, it costs money to produce these comics. It costs money to pay the artist to make it. I'm sure Jason's going to have some money for his time well spent for this. <laughs> but then he's got to ship them all out. Postage is crazy now. You have to deal with all that. The printer costs. I mean, just everything for it. Even a digital one costs money to create. This is not, you know, get rich scheme by any means. Anyone that signs up for it, you're getting a beautiful quality comic. And I've seen some where it's, you know, they claim it's 30, 40 pages and it's 10 pages of actual story and then just filler. Absolutely not. This is a packed story. You you mentioned there's four more yeah, pages. Yeah, I'm yeah, excited but, for that. Well, yeah, I you know, I, I, I think I've mentioned it. But, you know, as you mentioned, um, I, I really do try to go out of my way to give uh, the Kickstarter backers something substantial for their for their money. The books are, like I said, oversized, extra story pages. They're practically double sized, and then um, you know it's high quality printing, um, cardstock covers. Uh, it's all high quality stuff, and yeah, we we've got lots of cool artists doing the variant covers, and so um, try to give the best, give everyone the best book possible in in every which way. Well, and and, and I'm saying this, I'm not putting you on the spot to say it or to put yourself to that level. But for any comics fans, if you're willing to give Jimmy Palmiotti money for his Kickstarters, trust Jason the same amount. <laughs> hey, Jimmy's a great guy. He is. And I, I'm not I, saying you're not saying he isn't. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. Like, and I just, that's just my reaction. Yeah, he's, yeah. Um, he does, um, he's, he, they do some great Kickstarters. They're, uh, they're definitely, uh, uh, a good example of uh, you know what what Kickstarters can be. Yep, and and I think if anyone's willing to, so to me or use my yeah. name in the same breath, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jason, I I am so thankful that you're willing to take the time to do this. We we're talking last week that you were stuck right in that heat bubble, so I'm sure things were not fun at all. <laughs> And I am grateful that you took time to be on this interview. Uh, I know where to find you because I lit up your alerts today with adding everything to my social medias. But would you be willing to tell the listeners where they can find you other than the Kickstarter, of course? Oh, twist my arm, twist my arm. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can find me at jasonmartinart.com and uh, the books at pulpgirls.com. And you can link between the two. Um, and then, of course, the Kickstarter is on Kickstarter, and you can link to it through either of those websites. And we're on social media. There's a Pulp Girls uh, Facebook page and Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Um, and you can link to all the socials through my website. So you bet. I, I would say there is cool, good stuff on all of that. I'm following not only uh, your site, but also the Pulp Girls site and there has been all sorts of cool stuff. You know what you're doing for it. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, the Kickstarter is listed as Pulp Girls colon Prince dash S Star Thief one dash two. So Princess Star Thief one and two on Kickstarter, and it's issue two that we're kickstarting currently. Yeah, there is I I there were some issue one stuff in there though. If anyone is yes, you can curious and wants both. Definitely pick, pick up issue one. 
through the Kickstarter. You bet. And Swiss Army Woman as well. Though we're yeah, almost, I know. I'm, I'm almost out of stock on the, the Swiss oh. Army Woman Kickstarters, so I'm going to have to do another one to, to make up a new edition. And then hopefully we'll get Monica, Monica McCagney, the artist on that. Uh, they're in high demand right now, so as soon as they're available, we'll get another issue of that going, too. Let me. But I, I'm I, excited. Let me tell you this. I'm excited to say you mentioned uh, revisions and whatnot. Um, I'm excited to do a new uh, printing of Swiss Army Woman because I, I'm going to make a, a radical change to the villain in that issue. And by radical change, I mean I'm going to put. Uh, well, I, I won't spoil it, but it's it's not radical. But it's it's. <laughs> you know so what? Telling- it's, it's, it's a pointless tease if I don't say what it is. There's a villain in the first issue of Swiss Army Woman, and I thought, you know what? This would have been the icing on the cake if I would have gave them a cartoonist cartoonish mustache because they're (laughs) a cyber metallic character and i'm going to put a goofy mustache on them that um that will it will make the book that much better and so that's the nice thing about these kickstarters is there's um by the time these officially come out there will be have been updates and changes and new covers and no matter what version you get of the book it could potentially be collectible if these become you know the next uh Hollywood franchise or, or uh, Netflix anime universe or, or image comic series you, know, you never know well my problem is now I'm wondering should I get one of your few remaining copies or should <laughs> I wait and get the new one if, or both maybe I'm gonna have to debate that. <laughs> yeah, I thought about I, I thought about um, actually just hand drawing the mustache on the copies of the painting. <laughs> and I, I went to draw. I'm like, nah, that's not gonna. He's only on a few pages. But it'd be cool to have hand drawn on there. Just not tell anybody. Yeah, just well, or you could say anyone that bought the previous one. If you come up to me at the convention, I'll hand draw the mustache on it for you, so it can match. Yes, yes, I definitely thought of offering uh, mustache parts <laughs> as well. <laughs> But the keyword, yeah, the keyword with me is fun. So, uh, fun comics, cool comics, cool characters, fun comics, good times. Well, and and I'll agree from what I've read from talking to you and everything. It's just been a blast. It this isn't, you know, oh, we can only be serious in comics, and we can't do this, and we can't do that. It is what comics are supposed to be, and that's fun and entertaining. And you are knocked out of the park for that. Thank you. Anything goes and does go right over the top and <laughs> pushes it further. You bet. All right. I want to thank Jason <laughs> once again. I want to thank all of you for listening. Uh, you can follow my own blog over at masslibrary.com, and that's where you'll find my review of this comic and my thoughts for it. And stay tuned every thursday this is part of the retro network family of podcasts there are new podcasts every day i get the thursday spot and i will continue with these great interviews and i hope to draw more attention to people that are putting out amazing work like jason Harris. well thanks a lot kevin it was a lot of fun it was a fun interview thank you sir appreciate it This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.